and we are ready. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. This is Kai, and we are Morning Stars Meditations and Transmissions. Ah, and I, I set the space. Let's set the space together. Breathing in deeply, relaxing. Put your hand on your heart. <sighs> Sighing out loud is very powerful and relaxing. My life is very full with children and teaching, and so breathing deeply is always helpful to return back to center. And I'm going to jump right into the World Peace Prayer. May peace prevail on earth. May peace be in our homes and countries. May our missions be accomplished. We thank you, guardian deities and guardian spirits. Peace prevails on earth. Peace is in our homes and country. Our missions are being accomplished. We thank you, guardian deities and guardian spirits. Peace prevails on earth. Peace is in the United States of America. The United States of America's divine missions are being accomplished. We thank you, guardian deities and guardian spirits. Sending love and gratitude to Mother Earth. Sending love and gratitude to Father Sky. And they send their love and gratitude back to you now. Back to us. In this moment, all is well and wonderful. Ah, and I love this moment. I love this moment with you. Together we are more powerful and light as a pillar of light for humanity. And I can tell this will be a beautiful practice day of going in and out, of being and doing and I hand it over to Dear Morning Star. Welcome, Morning Star. Good morning. Good morning. We want to tell you a story this morning. We want you to put your hand on your heart, put your left fingers together, and if you want to, just close your eyes Stay with us. Keep yourself focused. We want you to imagine that you have a family legend about a buried treasure. Growing up, you heard the story over and over and over about the circumstances within which the treasure got buried. When you were little, you used to take your shovel and go outside and dig and look for the treasure sometimes. But as you grew up, you became aware that this was a myth, this was a legend, this was a a wonderful family story and you loved it but she no longer thought about or sought after the buried treasure. And then one day, when you were cleaning out your grandmother's old desk and getting ready to put it in the attic, you came across a concealed piece of paper something that you could see immediately no one in the family had ever seen. With curiosity and excitement, you opened up the little piece of paper and what you saw was a map. Because you were interested in the family history, you recognized the handwriting from old, old documents that your parents kept and saved that came from that time. So you recognize the handwriting of your ancestor. 
And you understood from looking carefully at the map that this was precise and perfect directions to find the treasure. And the very next day, you got a little piece of paper and you got the shovel and you secretly and inside yourself in a very private way, you went to the location you thought was indicated on the map and you began to dig. And some inner knowing that you had told you this was exactly the right spot. And so you dug. That day you dug for a while. You were a busy person. You didn't have time to dig all day, every day. But you knew where the spot was. And you went back every day to dig some more in the spot where the treasure was hidden. And sometimes you got discouraged. And sometimes you thought about quitting. You thought about stopping. Every day the hole got bigger. Every day the landscape changed where you were digging and no treasure was discovered. So you went, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it is just a man. I think I'll just stop doing this. And then you remembered the moment when you found the piece of paper, when you saw the map, when you had the very precise directions of how to get there. And you decided to dig just one more day. And you dug... You dug extra long that day. You dug and you dug and you dug. And suddenly, as you took out a shovel of dirt and threw it into the pile beside your hole, a beautiful jewel fell out of your shovel and it caught the light of the sun and it caught your attention and you were mesmerized to see it, you were completely surprised, and yet you recognized it. You recognized the gem that was hidden in the dirt that was calling to you to come and find it. And it was an interesting moment for you because, oh, here was this gorgeous gem. You could take this gem to town, to somewhere, and you could sell it for a great deal of money. It was clear to you it was very, very valuable. But you were curious. You were curious about what else is there hidden in this place where I am excavating steadily and slowly and carefully going deeper and deeper and deeper. And so you put the gem into your pocket. You had a little pocket on your T-shirt And you put the gem into that little pocket close to your heart and you felt such amazing excitement and curiosity and delight to have found this wonderful item. And you were consumed with curiosity about what else is there. What else is in this hole? And perhaps your mind got involved and your mind called you greedy for continuing to look. And your mind said, this is enough. You have enough. This is a beautiful jewel. It's all you need. 
And slowly, as you sat with your mind and listened to your mind, you realized that your mind was mistaken. It was not greed that was making you continue the excavation. It was curiosity. It was willingness to have more, but you weren't frantically digging to get more. You were curious now. You'd found one astonishing gem. You had it in your pocket. You could feel it close to your heart. You remembered the moment when you found the piece of paper, when you got guided onto this journey, and you realized that you were not being driven by base emotions like greed. You were being driven by exalted emotions, by curiosity, by gratitude. And you began to build, you might say, a pie in the sky. The gorgeous gem that is in your pocket, you know that if you handle it appropriately and deal with it appropriately, you will be safe and you will be rich. And rich sounds like fun. You've never been rich. Not like that. And then you begin to build, as we say, your pie in the sky. Oh, wow. Okay. What if there are more gems in this hole, in this place? And what if I could become twice as rich as I am right now? What if my first gem meets all my needs for the rest of this life? And in my next gem, I can begin to fund a way to help many other people discover all that they need for the rest of their life. How exciting would that be? And you decide to stay with the experience, to follow the map, and to keep digging. And a funny thing happened because when you when you found that gem, the delight fills your soul, the excitement fills your soul, fills your being, fills your everything. And you wanted to keep digging just for the experience, just for the the joy of knowing that there might be something else. You wanted to keep digging. And you remembered all those moments when you were digging, when you got discouraged or you wondered if you were crazy or you thought about quitting. And now you're so glad that you didn't quit. Now you were excited. Now you were motivated. Now you decided to spend a little more time every day digging and you couldn't wait to see what you would discover. And your whole, you might say the terrain of your whole life changed in that moment. When you were a little kid and you were digging with your shovel in the dirt looking for the treasure, your mind was full of the ice cream cones that you could buy with your treasure that you would find. Your mind would fill, was filled with the approval and um, love and everything that would fill your life when your family was patting you on the head and praising you for finding the treasure. Your motivation was different when you were a little kid and you were digging for the treasure. And then you let go of the belief in anything like that and went on with your life and began to just have a wonderful life, doing the best you could with the resources that you had. And then one day you were given this gift. Almost as though your great, great, great grandmother 
left it in the desk for the person to find when they were ready to find their treasure. And you were the one that found it. And you are the one that's been putting in all the sweat and tears. You're the one that's been getting up early in the morning and going quietly out to the spot and digging again every day right before your day starts, doing a little digging, doing that every day. You're the one that went through any time that you said, oh, not today, I think I'll sleep in. And you said to yourself, no, I think I'll, I think I'll dig for treasure instead. And you went out and dug some more. And then one day, this wonderful jewel that's in your pocket, right there close to your heart, that came to you, and that changed the whole terrain of your life. Now, you were digging because you knew that it was working, that there were things in the dirt right there that you could find. In the mundane ground around your home, you could find treasures, and you were willing to keep looking for another treasure. And there was a kind of fun, a kind of joy, a kind of of exuberance in your curiosity and your digging took on a whole new flavor. With every shovelful, you carefully turned it over, vigilant for anything you might see, however tiny, that would indicate that you were doing something that was really going to work for you. And now we're going to change the scene a little bit. And we're going to go into the 1980s. And we're going to tell you a different story. We're going to pile the stories one on another today. Stay with the stories, stay with the focus. But more important than the stories is the inner excavation that you are doing while we are speaking. And this is a real life. We want your imagination engaged, but it's a real life story. It's about a young guy who had just finished chiropractic school, who was in the prime of his life, having a great time with everything that the body loves to do and good with it, understanding how the body works because he studied the body. And in the middle of a sporting event, when he was being guided in making a turn on his bicycle during a triathlon, the policeman who was guiding him through through the turn didn't see the car coming from behind him. And as soon as the young guy made the turn, the SUV came through going about 55 miles an hour. And knocked him off of his bicycle and put him in the hospital with a very severe injury. Oh, what a tragedy. Maybe. Actually, for you and I, it's been a treasure. Because for whatever reason, just like you and I, this guy was at the moment in his life a moment of choice. He was an expert in his field. The experts in the hospital were recommending that he have an operation that as an expert, he would recommend to any of his patients, given the same injury that he was experiencing, and he was also in the depths of all the emotional experiences that happened when your life suddenly changed, when you go from young and fit and in the middle of an athletic event, just starting your busy practice and buying your first house and beginning your life to no life. That life is gone. And what you have instead is this life 
with this body in this situation. We've had those moments in our lives when everything crumbled around us, when everything we thought we knew and everywhere we thought we were going was suddenly not happening in the way we thought it would happen. And that was the moment. That was our moment. And that was his moment. And in his moment, his deep, clear knowing told him not to have the operation. But the deep, clear knowing didn't say, oh, don't get the operation. The deep, clear knowing said there's another way and we want you to try it. And so there he is, suspended in traction for his fractured spine with his wonderful busy mind that got him through school. And he's in an impossible dilemma. Either follow the advice of the experts and do what I would suggest to my own patients under these circumstances or do something different. Go into the unknown. Go out away from the house to that patch of dirt that you've never thought about before and follow the map and dig the hole and see what happens. And you did it. I did it. He did it. He began to visualize his spine in perfect health from the sacrum right up to the very top. And he knew exactly what he was picturing because of his training. And he required of himself that if he got distracted, if he started worrying about what if I should have the operation or should I, should I end my practice or should I sell my house or what am I going to do from a wheelchair? How am I going to function? If you got distracted, and you know how easy that is, you've all been distracted. And then he came right back to the beginning to his sacrum and started rebuilding in his mind's eye. He started rebuilding his spine with his thoughts again. And he did that over and over and over in spite of the fact that he was receiving great pressure from the doctors to do what they knew was the best possible thing for him. They weren't giving him bad advice. They were giving him perfect advice. And he listened to his inner knowing. He had the courage as you have had the courage because we who are the born awake ones We get these inspirations to do things that are outside the box of normal human behavior. And we may not know why we are doing them. We may not understand, but we are pulled into the experience completely. Pulled into the experience. And he was just just that. He was pulled. And he went. And like in our story, when you turned over that shovel full of dirt and that gem fell out, there came a moment. Whenever I think about his story, I think about the agony of those days and weeks. Because when he tells the story, he says, it was about six weeks of doing it like out there digging in the dirt with the map, with the message from grandma that says there's a treasure with a map, with a message from spirit that said there's a treasure here. And he kept doing it. And it was frustrating because his mind kept wanting to think about other things. And he kept directing his mind back to his spine 
and back to his journey. And that was the beginning of his story. Like your experiences were the beginning of your story. And my experiences bring me to this moment in my life, doing this with you and trusting it completely. He had those moments when he began to feel a change happening, when he began to get information that it might be working, and that inspired him to be even more faithful, even more there, do it even more strongly, but with more of a feeling of joy and curiosity and less of a feeling of uncertainty and doubt. And those moments when we have uncertainty and doubt are so strong. And they are the moments when we find our strength and we keep going and we do it even more. Whatever it is that we are doing, it is excavating our treasure hole. And he found that first little gem, he got that first little indication and he put it close to his heart And he used it to motivate him to keep going and to keep doing it. And everything unfolded from there. His life continued to change. And he, from that experience, was dedicated to figuring out and to teaching others how to do what he had done. He got invited to be part of a wonderful movie that we love and have watched many times. What the bleep do we know? It's out there if you've never watched it. It is so well worth watching. It's like a treasure map. And then he began to do a little two-day workshops. He began to find, now he's digging for your treasure with you. And what he describes is that for a while, not much was happening. Like maybe as you turned over the shovelfuls of dirt, you found a little coin from another time or a little tiny gemstone, not like that first one that you found. And he kept following the energy of his life path. And quite literally, over time, came to a point when a woman had come to one of his workshops, which were now seven days long and very quickly filled. And she came and she did the work and she didn't make much progress. She didn't get any giant gemstones in her pocket, but she had a knowing to follow the path and she had motivation because like like him, when he was told that without this operation, he might never have the use of his body again. It was the only solution known to the current medical system. Like that, she reached the point with her stage, with her cancer that it went into stage four and that the doctor said, we've done everything we can do. And we recommend that you go home and do whatever you need to do because there's nothing more we can do to help you. And in that, in that feeling, she ended up at one of his workshops. And even though she didn't see much change, she came again. And the fascinating part of this story for me is that as she was in one of the processes, and those of you who've done workshops, you know they're full of processes. They're full of the things that the person offering the workshop has discovered worked for them and they want to share with others. Because all the workshops are the same in that respect. I found some gems and I want to share them. And I want to guide you through finding, because I can't give you my gems. I'm Morningstar. I can't give you my gems. I can tell you my story and hope it helps you find your gems. And in this case this morning, we've decided that stories will help you 
find your next gem. So we are giving you something that you can use. And so she's in the process, whatever it was, and she said to to him later, I had a moment when I knew I was well. And she was. There was no cancer left in her body. Just a person like you and me who was in the right place at the right time to get the result that she wanted with all her heart. And that's one of thousands of stories probably that he can tell about people whose lives have changed from him deciding to do something outside the box of normal behavior that led to his restoration of his physical body and then guided others into the restoration of their lives in some realm. And the interesting thing for me, this is my story now, is that 30 years ago, I was reading a book, Healers on Healing is the name of the book, I just found it again recently. And the book was full of chapters that explored specific cures for cancer. At the time that the book was written, one of the big cures was Laetrile, Alternative Cures for Cancer. And each chapter of the book explores one of these possible solutions to the problem, and we use problem like a math problem, the problem of cancer, solving the problem of cancer for individuals who have been given that problem to solve and how they went at it and what they did with it. And the lady in the story did all these stuff. She took the chemotherapy. She had the operations. She did all those things. She did everything according to one system until they said to her, we have nothing more to give you. We have done everything we can do. The cancer is progressing. And and however they said it, as kindly as they could, we are sending you home to prepare for death. Which for me, I've always known is just a door. I came in that door when I got born. I'll go out that door when I leave this body. It's never been a thing I'm afraid of. I didn't know why. But now I understand that when you're born awake, you know that you never die. Each of you on this call, you know you are not going to die. Your being will continue, has been here forever, and will continue to be here forever. And so you don't hold dying in the same place as those who are asleep, who think there's nothing but a body-mind. So that's why we're talking, that's why we're practicing, because we came to find a way to create something for ourselves that is a major treasure. So I read this book from cover to cover. I was very excited. I finally am going to get the answer to healing. And what did I find? The final chapter, they analyzed all the data from all of the modalities that they had explored. And they said the one thing that people who had, and they were also studying it, two people who had experienced cancer being gone. Like the lady in our story a moment ago. She was in the last stages and she went to this workshop and she had the experience in the workshop and the cancer was gone. We've talked about Anita Morjani who went in the exact same situation but in the hospital and dying. And when she was outside of her physical experience in her soul presence, in the allness, she began to be aware that she was that she could come back into her body. And her thought was, why would I do that? Why would I want to go back into that body? It's full of cancer. 
and she had a knowing that if she chose to come back in, the cancer would be gone. You want to see her? You can go on YouTube if you've never done it, and you can Google Anita Morjoni or Dying to Be Me. Probably would do the same thing. That was the name of her first book was Dying to Be Me. And you can see her in present time. She guides meditation. She shares with people. She teaches. What she came back to do was to help us understand, to give us a map to the treasures. They all did. I did. We all did. We all found our way into the treasure, and we all have stayed in bodies and are working with everyone else to help them find their treasure because we know the treasure exists. In the first story, when he saw the map, in that story, when you saw the map, when you imagined yourself finding that in the desk, you knew the treasure exists. And that motivated the the story to go forward and for you to take the shovel and go quietly at the time you chose and dig in the ground where the map said to dig. So in the yeah, finally I'm going to have the answer. I'm finally going to know all about healing. I'm going to understand how it works. I want to find a way to help people with cancer get spontaneous remission. More than that, I want to find a way for people to find the access to the healing that they would like to have, to the wellness in their body that they would like to have. And what does it say? It says they analyzed all the data. And the one thing that all of the people that the book was written about, the one thing that they found was the strongest, one thing they all had in common is they all had a moment when they knew they were well. So it wasn't the coffee enemas. It wasn't the laetrile. Although those things help, feeling that you're doing something always feels better. But I was excited. I was like, wow, okay. So this is the deal. There is a way to know that you are well. And then, of course, I needed some time to assimilate that K-N-O-W, knowing, was something very special in these moments. How many people have you have you known or how many times have you been where you think you're done you think you're fine you think you're good you think you finished this lesson you think you think you think and actually the lesson continues and then you realize as you mature and you go through many many journeys oh I wanted to be done I wanted to be well I wanted to to be finished but I really wasn't and now that I'm on the other side I'm grateful and I had the whole experience and the whole lesson, whatever it is. I feel that way about the compression fractures that swept me into bed for several years. In 2017, they took me to the next level of healing and they quieted me down out of doing into being so that I could absorb the amazing information that came. So here I am 30 years ago all excited and understanding that when you know that you are well, the best way I can give you an example of it is to close your eyes and recognize that you don't hope you will see, you don't pray that you will see, you aren't afraid that you won't see. There are so many things that are not in your mind because you know that if you open your eyes, you will see. You have a knowing. You could think of it as a knowing in your gut. You have a visceral knowing. And so, of course, once I got that, I wanted to know how to help people get to that knowing. I wanted to figure out And piece by piece, I've never 
been I've been digging in this dirt for thirty years. I've never found the big perfect gem that is the gateway to healing, but I have found so many clues and so many little gems, and I've given so many people opportunities to explore within themselves and do it for themselves because I've come to understand that that's where it all happens. It's in your knowing. You know, I grew up on the stories and the myths and the lineage of treasures that were in the stories of my childhood were spiritual treasures. For those of you who were raised Catholic, you're very familiar with the story of Lourdes, where the children had a paranormal experience of going into a cave and seeing a lady that appeared to them like the Virgin Mary, so the lady probably looked like some statue in their church, and told their parents, and they went under, underwent a great deal of, you might call it, persecution or scrutiny. But the stories, as I heard them as a young child in the 50s and 60s, was <laughs> people went to Lourdes with their crutches and their wheelchairs and their, and their crippling diseases. And the walls of the cave are of their wheelchairs and their crutches that they left behind when they walked away. And every, even as a very small child, every story like that did something in my heart because I think that's my path and I was awakening to it little by little. There also was the knowing that everybody who arrived at the cave and went into the water did not walk away without their wheelchair or their crutches. And then, of course, my wonderful mind wants to know, why not everybody? Then a few years ago, when we were in New Zealand, we went to the, to the, the pa, to the, to the marae of one of their famous prophets and healers, and there was a building like that. There was a building just like that cave, full of the crutches and the wheelchairs and the canes and the and the braces and the the accoutrements of the illness that people who came to visit this wonderful man they left their stuff behind because they didn't need it anymore. Not everybody left their stuff. And the reason we want to tell you these stories and we want you to pay close attention is that every practice session is full of the excavation process of finding your gems. Every meditation that we do where we start with our hand on our heart and we feel The key to effectively changing things is in your feelings. So we think it and we feel it. We activate our sensory neurites in our heart and we get our feeling brain and our thought brain working together. And I'm doing that now and expecting that you are too. You are here in this moment practicing, digging again. And then you put your left fingers together again. I Mine got disconnected, so I'm putting them back together, and I'm opening my eyes and suggesting you do that too, because this is where we are meant to be. Eyes open. Hand on heart, mind and heart-mind connected and functioning as a well-oiled unit automatically. When someone gives you any piece of information, you open your heart, feel it with your heart, see whether it fits or not. And if it fits, you keep it. And if it doesn't fit, you let it go. It's just a piece of information. 
and your eyes are open so that you are as close to body, mind, spirit as you are able to get in this moment. And we can tell you this is it. We don't know what it'll look like for you. One way to dig in the rich, luscious ground of experience to find your way to experiencing something more than what you have been experiencing is to have your hands on your heart your fingers together like that is your shovel. That is your shovel. That is your 3D way of getting closer and closer to all that is. And breathe. And very, very wonderful at this time that we're in, when many are choosing to leave the planet, they came to stay for part of the awakening and they're on their way out. It is not a tragedy. It is not wrong. But none of us like it. And when it's in your family, it's even stronger that you don't want it to be there. So be in that space right now. This space is an invitation to your spirit to communicate with you. It is acknowledging that the spirit is always connected, already here, already now. And that I put my fingers together to trigger my mental awareness of that. My physical awareness of that. I don't put my fingers together to get connected to my soul. We keep reminding you about that, and we repeat ourselves because the brain builds the neural net based on the repetition. So when we put our hand on our heart, and when we close our fingers of our left hand, and when we think to ourselves, I am divine, I am reminding myself that I am divine. And then think about what happens next. You say, it's so accomplished. And then you think the other piece, which is such a critical piece, all humanity is divine. This is not my private magic that only I know and that I will teach the exclusive few. And does the team then become the exclusive few? You are the better. You are the ones that know more. No. The team is those who were born awake by choice. They said, I am awake. I will come back in. I will be awake, and I will not forget who I am. And for me, no matter how hard I tried, that wasn't possible. I came in awake. Everybody was asleep. I tried to match their energy. Impossible. None of you can go back to sleep. You can pretend you're asleep. You can talk like you're asleep. You can act like you're asleep. You can do all that. You're totally free to do it any way you want. What you are not able to do is become blind. You can close your eyes and say, okay, I'm just going to pretend I'm blind for the rest of this lifetime. And the funny thing about that is unless you put a blindfold on, when there's a loud noise, when something startles you, when something triggers you in any way, your eyes will pop open automatically. And when your eyes pop open, you will see. Because you are not blind. And you cannot... Make yourself blind. You don't want to make yourself blind, actually. You cannot be asleep and have forgotten your connection to soul because you are awake and you know your connection to soul. 
And no way that you handle that is wrong. Seventy-seven years ago when I came into this earth and into a world of sleeping people, I logically did what anybody would do under those circumstances. I tried to match the people around me. I tried to fit in. I tried to be like them. I didn't have an awareness that I am perfect just as I am, and so are they. So however you're navigating being awake, it's perfect just as it is. And all we say to you is, sorry, darling, you can't go back to sleep. You can keep doing what Morningstar did for your whole life. You can do your own version of being present in the 3D reality and forgetting that your soul is around and then suddenly having a transcendental moment when you remember because you can't avoid it, it will happen. Think about her story about stepping out into the yard. Forty years ago, stepping out into the yard to pick up the toys, worrying about the car trouble. Today they have no car. The car trouble happened last week. They haven't spent a lot of time in the last few days worrying about that because the knowing that it's all playing out as it's supposed to play out and their job is to stay focused and present is what they're both doing. But back then, 40 years ago, life was different when I had children to raise or earning to live and it was a different life and I didn't know what I know now. And I'm worried about the car and what am I going to do? There's a transcendental moment. You've all had them. We take you to one right now, whatever one you remember. Standing on the beach looking at the ocean is one for for Morningstar and Michael. There are moments there, moments in the forest among the redwoods. And standing in her backyard, getting ready to pick up the toys and suddenly being transported by the division of the raindrops on the on the whole cedar tree that was right there in front of her. That somehow that moment and it wasn't the tree, you understand that, it wasn't the raindrops, it was the moment. And why she's never forgotten it is because what it felt like. That's why we say you have your own. Her eyes opened in that moment and she saw the reality of all that is. And she felt that all is well. She was completely at peace, completely joyful, completely in love with everything around her in that awesome state of love. And then her mind said, what just happened? The car is still broken. We still don't have the money. The problems are not solved. And you're standing around feeling like everything's okay. What's going on here? (laughs) Wonderful mind. I love my mind. I think our life would have been different if from that moment forward I was totally disconnected from the reality of doing what it takes to get the car fixed, whatever that was. That car has come and gone many, many years ago, of course. So those transcendental moments are your wake-up call. Those are the moments when your soul says, hi, hi, just want to let you know everything's perfect just the way it is. Everything's perfect just the way it is. And the more you know that, the more you'll experience that in your life. It's amazing. So hands on the heart. And fingers together is our way in the work we are all doing together right now. That is our way of triggering a transcendental moment. That is our way of inviting a transcendental moment. That is our way of saying, I need to remember 
that I am soul. I need to pay attention to being soul because life from the point of view of soul is completely different than life from the point of view of body-mind. And my life experience tells me the more I am in soul. And you'll hear me say, you know, the pain didn't disappear. I didn't have, it it wasn't gone. There wasn't a miracle where there was no pain. I haven't gotten to that yet. Maybe never, who knows. I'm open to it. I'm curious. Can I dig deep enough and far enough? And can that happen? However, when I went to see the osteopath, in a nearby town who's really, really a wonderful, wonderful, knows the body and knows the spirit. And he examined me and questioned me and looked at my x-rays and all that stuff. And he said, with surprise, he said, you don't have any pain? And I said, no. He said, well, looking at your x-rays and doing the examination, I would expect there to be pain. I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, it's working because you're having a life free of pain. And I will always be mentioning things that you may not know about. So yesterday we did a session on somebody, and I had one more of the mats from the Vibes Up people. And if you both Kai and I are fans of theirs, so you can find out more by texting either one of us and asking us about it. And she has been getting messages and she's put together something she calls kind of goop. And it's full of little tiny crystals. And as the goop solidifies and makes a little mat, it can change the frequency of your food if you set your food on it. And the only thing I could think of was I've been sleeping on one of those mats. So I gave her a little one because I had a spare. And she's going to try it and see what it does for her. And what Caitlin, the creator of the maps, says is that the PZO frequency from the crystals that are embedded in the mat is incompatible with the frequency of pain. And so in the presence of the PZO frequency, which is, I just read about it and came to understand a little more about it, the frequencies are not my understanding. I know I have a high frequency. And being a hummingbird, I have about an 85 frequency in my life, which drives people crazy or they love it. But it's just my frequency, and I've made peace with that. I'm not, I'm not, not calm enough or not quiet enough or not peaceful enough. I am as I am. It is what it is, and that's what we're working on, right? It is what it is. And I am peaceful and joyful in the presence of that. And the more peaceful and joyful you are in the presence, the easier it gets. So I was peaceful and joyful with excruciating pain for three years. I'm glad I'm not there now. <laughs> Might be there again. It's possible. Might not. That's possible too. So I don't waste any time in this moment with you and worrying about some other day I'm going to have pain. I do know it might happen again. I'm not afraid of it and I'm not creating it. I'm just aware that it's a possibility. But in this now, I have no pain. In this now, I am with you. I have no fear about lacking a car. This now I am with what is in the joy of the moment. And I share that with you. I transmit that to you. It's possible for all of us. I don't have any answers. I don't know anything. But I have practiced a long time. And I'm practicing with you every day. And you showing up to practice with me has changed my life. Because I listen every morning at 7.30. I listen to Joe Dispenza, the young man in that story. And it was his story that inspired me to hear from the guidance. Today we want to tell a story. 
Today we want to use stories to give you a tool that you can use every day if you want to. If you can take yourself here, like digging in the dirt, you can use this 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 meditation to take yourself here and to take yourself here and to take yourself here. And every day that you choose to do something different, and it's not that you do a different thing every day. What I've come to understand is you do what you've always done. You wake up like you've always awakened. You think the thoughts you always think. You are. You have a series of habitual behaviors we all do. And when I took on these meditations, I changed my morning behavior months ago. Every day I get up and I listen and I speak. And every day I think it can't be that much more, but there's always something. And before I do it, I listen to Joe Dispenza's meditation because he did it. So I'm listening to someone else just like you're listening to me. I don't think he's a master. He uses language that my guidance keeps trying to guide me away from. But he also had an experience when he was 22 that has informed his whole life And he's brought it to the point that people get spontaneous remissions during his workshops. And so I feel like if I can use him to listen to, to be the map while I'm digging right before I'm teaching and working with you, it's going to change my life even more, and it has. So do something different means choose a different behavior and practice it consistently. Listen to this recording every day and let it take you further and further and further into all that you are. Listen to any of the people that make those presentations, and you can buy them. You can get them on YouTube. There's a ton of stuff out there. Find one that works for you and do it every day. And it will change your life. However, the car did not fix itself. I don't remember what I did, but I did what we do as human beings. I found a way. I borrowed the money. I put it on credit. I, I, someone gave me an extra job, and I had enough money. The car got fixed, and we were able to continue using it. And Bruce, the guy that I worked with in Willis, was an amazing mechanic with a wonderful integrity, and he had my absolute trust. And if you create in your life that that's the kind of people that you encounter, that is the kind of people you encounter. If you create that everybody's out to rip you off, and then a lot of people believe the mechanics are just not honest. And there are some that are not honest. But there are some wonderful, wonderful ones out there. And we met lawyers like that, and we have doctors like that. And when we hear this thing about doctors are getting $2,000 a person to, to put a fake, uh, a fake cause of death, we go, maybe there's a doctor or two out there that if somebody's offering that, they've taken the proposal. But realistically, to find people to do that, they had to ask a bunch of people. And if they were really looking for that, if that was really happening, we would have heard about it. Because the way things are now, anything can be posted. Anybody could tweet. Somebody asked me if I would, you know, if I would fake the COVID this death certificates and they'd give me $2,000. That's kind of weird, don't you think? There'd be somebody out there that had the courage to put it forth. I don't like it because doctors are on the front line. Doctors are working so hard to save our lives. And I don't like anything that says they are anything other than that. Although I don't argue that there might not be a few that are. They're human, aren't they? Just like us. So when you hear stuff in your mind, decide whether or not you will believe it. And don't argue with it. Don't waste your time and energy with any kind of conversation with yourself about it. If you are one of those who believes that doctors are doing that, you are. No problem. 
If you're one of those that doesn't believe that, you are, and no problem. Don't waste your time and energy. This is a time when people have their opinions and their thoughts and their ideas, and whatever they think is real, allow yours to be and allow others to have theirs without dispute, and you make a peaceful, joyful space within which to live. It's working for you, whatever it is you're doing. And find a way to keep excavating the deep inner knowing of your connection to soul because that's where the, the, that's where the best feelings in life come from. Let your soul be part of your life. Listen to your soul. Your soul knows all there is to know and more. Find the joy in every moment. And we're over the 9 o'clock moment, so we are going to thank you and love you. And we hope that you find this particular meditation useful because this one has the potential, if you'll practice it every day, to be a life changer. And we leave you with great love, and we are complete. Thank you, dear Morning Star. A beautiful morning meditation. And our next call is at 3.30, and we leave you with great love and appreciation. Bye-bye for now.